Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. This is episode 152, and today we'll be chatting with Nathaniel Harley, the co-founder and CTO of Mantle. Nathaniel was previously an analyst with Goldman Sachs before jumping into tech with a Techstars-backed startup called Spoon University. He then got accepted into Techstars again, this time as a CEO of his own fintech startup. Nathaniel joins us to share his story, how he started his career in tech, what it was like going through Techstars twice, what it's been like building a fintech startup, why he's so passionate about the future of the industry, and much more. So once again, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Feel free to tweet at us at hack to start drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com, or share your feedback right on iTunes with a review. Good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, Nathaniel, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to hear about your story in startups and what you're working on today uh, called Mantle. But before we dive into that, we'd like to know a little bit more about yourself. So where are you from and what did you study? Yeah, definitely. So I was born and raised in New York City. I went to school at Northwestern, uh, basically studied film and this really long-winded major called Mathematical Methods in the Social Sciences. It's basically math and econ. Uh, so I took some game theory, econometrics, also did the Kellogg Financial Economics Certificate. You know, it was kind of a nice combo because in high school I did a lot of film stuff and then, you know, sort of wanted to, I always wanted to get into business. So, you know, really started to dive into kind of like the finance world and learning about finance and started taking classes uh, at Northwestern for that. That's really cool. So how did your passion for tech and just entrepreneurship in general really develop? Yeah, totally. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, I feel like from a very young age, I always knew I wanted to get into business. I never knew what that meant exactly. It kind of started off as being a young kid. I would, you know, kind of go to the grocery store, get a bunch of stuff, then go to the soccer field and, you know, sell Gatorade and candy to soccer moms. And that kind of progressed in high school. I did this film study, which basically, you know, started the film program at my high school. And then we did a featured film and kind of just ran our own premiere for it. And then in college, you know, I I kind of started to get a little bit more entrepreneurial. I started this events promotion company with my friend that wasn't not really successful. It was more of a more of a frat thing. But, um, you know, we threw a few events and I actually I went to uh, Penn where I met my friend Liz Wessel, who was running this company called Campus Eats at the time. And she was like looking to expand it. So that was sort of like my first forte into you know, the entrepreneurship world. And then, you know, after that, I, I went into finance and really went into banking at Goldman and, and, and started going down that route and always thought I wanted to, you know, do private equity. But two of my friends from college were actually starting this company called Spoon University. You know, they, they started originally as a campus publication. And, you know, after college, they decided to turn it into an actual business. Um, and, you know, the investment banking program is essentially two years. And I was going to go back, got a promotion, was going to go back for a third year. But they really needed a third person, a, a business person to come on. So I decided to take the leap, ditch the banking job, and kind of join them as sort of the third person to to work on this company. So it wasn't necessarily tech from the beginning. It wasn't until, you know, we kind of got 
into the weeds of starting Spoon and, and really growing and building Spoon and then getting into Techstars that, you know, I really developed this passion for technology and, and understanding, you know, the intersection between tech and, you know, business and entrepreneurship ever since have never have never regretted leaving the, the Goldman investment banking job to venture into the startup world. You know, there are many, many nights on working from home and, you know, many long nights, but I think it, it was definitely worth it. That's really cool. We've actually had both Liz and Sarah on the show before. <laughs> so cool. small world, small world. Yeah. And so speaking of, you know, transitioning or, or being in investment banking and then heading over to startups, what was that transition like for you? What was sort of the shift in mindset that you had to go through in terms of, you know, working more of a corporate job and then diving into tech entrepreneurship? I thought investment banking was super interesting. You know, it was definitely challenging, right? There were long hours. I thought the work was very interesting. But the thing I really didn't like about it was, you know, kind of the call it bureaucracy or whatever you want to call it about it, you know, hated getting emails at 10pm on a Sunday night, really like the unpredictability of, of what would go on. So you know, I think I was fortunate because uh, Kenzie and Sarah who were starting Spoon, basically had been working on this company for about a year. So they had, they really had gone through zero, starting it from zero to kind of building up a base. So it was a little bit easier to make that jump into what they were doing and obviously like believed in in the potential. So it wasn't as hard as going into a, a brand new thing, starting it from nothing, kind of easier because they had kind of established this brand and, and created this product. But it was really a great move because banking is kind of crazy. And you know, I, I feel like the flexibility that, you know, working for yourself and being your own boss gives you is, is was super important to me. And I always thought money was like the most important thing and wanted to make a lot of money. And that's kind of why I went into banking. And, you know, that sort of shifted over the two years, I realized that it wasn't really about the money, it was more being kind of a self starter and, and being my own boss and, and kind of being able to, you know, form my own direction, that really was what interested me. And, you know, I think the startup, world was something that was very attractive and, and really the reason why I decided to leave. That's awesome. It's really cool. And so today, you know, you ended up liking it so much that you ended up starting your own company. So today you're the co-founder and CEO of MyFin. So can you tell us a little bit more about that company and what motivated you to launch it? So MyFin has been a very fun, interesting journey. So me and my co-founder, Ben, Ben is one of my best friends from fourth grade. When I left Spoon, I would say it's about a year and a half ago, uh, I left Spoon and really wanted to kind of go off and do my own thing, get back into the fintech space. I linked up with Ben, who at the time was working at this blockchain startup. And, you know, we were kind of bouncing around a few ideas, started really getting our heads into what was going on in, in the fintech world. Kind of saw Betterment, Digit, Wealthfront, all these new companies launching. Also, were obviously kind of playing with Mint because one of the one of the biggest problems was that you know after I had left, right, I was trying to figure out my own finances. Upon doing that, started using Mint, started looking for other solutions out there. Weren't really happy with what was kind of what was being provided, and, and didn't feel that you know a lot of these apps were speaking to you know our generation. So you know we really decided to start MyFin as a way to help our generation, you know, manage and, and save their money and, and really give them that personal financial advice that, you know, they were lacking, whether because, you know, they didn't learn it because you don't, no one really teaches it or outside of the, the very few of us that have been in finance, it's very hard to navigate a lot, a lot of these things. And we saw a bunch of our friends just making very simple mistakes 
not, and I wouldn't even call them mistakes, right? Just sort of doing, missing out on opportunities to maximize their money and maximize what they were doing. And we were really motivated to, you know, help them, help them make better decisions and, you know, sort of build, call it like the Mint 2.0. You know, that was kind of the genesis of of MyFin. And, you know, it was interesting. I, I remember when me and Ben were sort of sitting on my porch at the time thinking about, you know, whether we wanted to start this company, he turned to me and he said, you know, we should just build a bank. And obviously, to build a bank, you can't just go out and get a banking license, right? It's very hard to do very expensive, very capital intensive. So really, we decided to take the approach of going down this personal finance route, being an aggregator, being this sort of one stop shop for all of your financial accounts, and, and really being that advocate and friend to our users to help them sort of navigate these, you know, waters of making different financial decisions. And, you know, that's kind of why we, we, we took that approach at first. It's really cool. And so you guys went on to become part of, you know, the Techstars uh, group of 2016. So what was that application process like and, and the program overall for you and Ben? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a huge fan of Techstars. So it was actually the second time going through Techstars, went through Techstars with Spoon um previously so that was kind of my first touch with Techstars and you know I wasn't the CEO but kind of Techstars founder and and part of that whole experience and you know I just really saw the value that it brought to the company right it was at the time it was our first company so we learned a ton and you know I thought it was very valuable from a growth perspective and I kind of thought that it would be really awesome for Ben and our other team members to go through the program as well. So I knew Alex, who runs the program, the New York City program, very well at the time. And, you know, we were kind of telling him about the idea. He was really into it, kind of being the mint for millennials, so to speak. So, you know, we applied, basically, you know, got a final round interview, went in all the previous tech stars coaching and, you know, kind of came back to me and, you know, just kind of went in and pitched the idea, pitched the vision, building kind of this next gen one stop shop for your financial life. And, you know, we're able to luckily get into the program in terms of like what the program was like. Like I said, it's really, it's really, Really, really helpful and awesome. You know, everything from providing you with the network, giving you feedback on the product, putting you in touch with the necessary people that you need, providing mentorship. It's really, it's a really, really strong program in terms of that. And I think one of the reasons for that is it's it's not huge, right? There are only 12 to 14 companies in each class. So you really get to work closely with Alex and KJ, who are the two MDs. And, you know, you have a lot of support from the other tech stars, associates who are willing to help you with like literally anything. And it's really, it's called an accelerator for a reason. It's kind of three months of being super intense, super focused. We basically, it was interesting, we went into the program and essentially just had a prototype. You know, it was a web app at the time. We decided to turn it into an actual native application. So, you know, we ended up being in a position which was much different from what I had experienced with Spoon, where we were kind of in growth mode, where with MyFin, we were really focused on, you know, kind of the initial phases of, of building a product getting your first hundred beta customers and kind of going from there. And I thought that actually was a, a super interesting experience because it, it really taught me how important it was to get customer feedback. And I think the best advice that someone told me during they had this like two week initial thing called Mentor Madness was to sit down with your first 100 customers, buy them coffee, sit down with them for 30 minutes and, and ask them questions and get their feedback. 
And we just learned so much from those meetings that I think it really helped us get the product to a really awesome place and be able to launch it. So we ended up getting our first user on the, you know, on the on the app, probably I would say about halfway through the program and then spent the remainder of the program just trying to scale it as fast as possible. And you know, obviously, when you're building an app or a product for the first time, there's a lot of bugs and you're trying to figure things out. And especially within sort of like the fintech API space, there's a lot of craziness that goes on. So, you know, we definitely spent a lot of time just kind of iterating on the product, making sure that, you know, our onboarding flow was really tight, making sure that people were interacting it with the right way, reaching out to our users for feedback constantly. And, you know, I think the other the other piece to it and the other thing that Techstars is, is super helpful with is fundraising. So it kind of allowed us to get to a position where by the end of the program, you know, while we didn't have a ton of traction, we were able to go out and demonstrate that we could execute on building a really awesome product. And the team was really strong. And, you know, we had a very strong vision for, you know, where we were going at the time. And, you know, it set it up, set us up nicely to meet with a bunch of investors, got a lot of feedback, and, you know, really be able to raise our seed round in November. The program ended in September. So we were able to raise, you know, about a month and a half afterwards. That's awesome. And so maybe just exploring that a little bit more, I guess, what, if anything, did you notice or, or did you kind of learn, I guess, the second time around? Because you mentioned the first time you guys were focused on growth. The second time with MyFin, you were really building out the product and that first MVP. I guess, yeah, what, what was that experience like from this, from coming around at it a second time? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely more stressful, but in a different way, because, you know, the program is very focused on growth and not having a product ready where you can be growing and getting users on is a little bit frustrating. But I think it, it definitely taught us to be very methodical and, and patient and hacky. Just try things, get it out there, get user feedback, iterate, do it again, and repeat the process over and over again. You know, I, I think the other thing that was, at least for me, really valuable was going through the program as a CEO. It's much, much different as a CEO than kind of the other the other roles in the company it's it's very focused on fundraising and i think you know having that you know just having that be the case really you know i think it allowed me to improve on a lot of things right like speaking in front of a group being able to you know consolidate our pitch really well be able to tell our story really well you know be able to talk to investors in the right way and, and kind of control the you know the funding dynamics and obviously as much as you can but you know be able to sort of lead the company and and really put ourselves in a position where we could you know, eventually fundraise. So I think that was also, at least for me, one of one of the, the biggest differences and, and most valuable things that I got out of it. Absolutely. That's, that's super interesting to bring up that, you know, the CEO gets a bit of a different experience compared to everybody else that's heads down, working on the product, listening to the, you know, the mentorship and the feedback, but that the CEO really gets that that financial setup and, and high level understanding of what it's like to drive a company. Yeah. And it really, you know, honestly becomes your job to almost protect your team from all the madness that goes on. There are just so many meetings and, you know, so many meetings with mentors and, you know, so many meetings, you know, with the people in Techstars that, you know, you really need to go to those and bring back all of the information that you learned to the rest of the team so that they feel like, one, that they're knowing what's going on and, and getting value from it. 
but to, you know, allowing them to sort of be able to to not be bothered. So we were a very engineering heavy team. That was also kind of a big difference for us. So, you know, having time to code and, and being able to code without any interruptions is like the most important thing for an engineer. So, you know, I felt, you know, it was part of my responsibility to kind of play defense for them, right? And, and go to all these meetings and kind of digest all of these things that we were learning and then be able to come back and you know whether it was talking to Ben, Ben would typically come with me to a lot of them, but you know, whether it's talking to Ben or, you know, other team members. You know, I think that was a very important role and, and lesson. Absolutely. And speaking of lessons, you know, you guys have been working on the company for the last year and a half or so. So what have been some of the biggest outcomes, I guess, in, in terms of running your own company for you and, and the team? I would say there's been a, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of changes. Um, it's actually good timing because we actually decided to pivot. So just to kind of give you the backstory, we we raised our seed round in November and kind of we're looking at the personal finance space. There are a few other companies popping up and, you know, kind of decided that it didn't feel like you know, one, the technology was really there. Obviously, you have Plaid, Yodley, some of these other companies, I would say Plaid is probably one of the best aggregators out there. But even so, what they're doing is linking to 19,000 different financial institutions. And that's a huge, huge undertaking. And what we were seeing from a lot of our users was that, you know, they weren't able to link to Alabama Credit Union or their student loan account or whatever it may be. And, and sometimes the balances and the transactions that we would get back were, you know, incorrect. So it was very, it was very difficult to sort of massage the data and, you know, kind of I, I guess, you know, bridge the gaps between what we were getting back. So, you know, we felt that, you know, really the only way to be successful in the PFM business is to essentially build a referral engine and, and create this referral engine where you're sending customers to purchase other products. And, you know, we didn't feel like we could sort of fulfill the mission we had originally set out on to really help our generation with their money. So we decided in the new year to pivot. And the original the original idea was to essentially build a next gen bank. So we had this aggregation layer, we were connecting to, you know, all these different accounts. But really, what we felt the best way to provide the most value to our users was be to be able to offer them an account. So that way they could hold their money with us, they could transact with us, and we would never be wrong because we were sort of the, the account of record. So we would never have any of these issues of one bank sending us back wrong data. So so we kind of went out and embarked on this journey to try to start our own bank. And through that process, you know, probably met with like 40 to 50 different banks, essentially talking to them about, you know, white labeling their bank accounts, um, very similar to what Simple does, for example, or, you know, Movin or even Digit. And through these conversations, we actually stumbled upon this other problem that existed in, in the space. And, you know, we realized that you sort of have these called the 25 big guys, right? Like you have have Chase or City or TD, right? And all of them, for the most part, build their technology in-house. But then you have these 12,000 other uh, regional community banks and credit unions that are essentially building on top of four companies, the four cores, which is like FIS, Fiserv, Jack Henry, and DNH, and take this very vendorized approach to their technology. So they'll have one person that you know handles their marketing page or their homepage. They'll have another company that handles their account opening. They have another company that handles their online and mobile banking. So through learning 
this, we had a few deals on the table to basically white label bank accounts and, you know, offer them as MyFin products. But, you know, we really got deep into talks with this one bank and they were like, hey, guys, like you're going to be building this consumer facing bank. We're really into the technology that you're building. We want to be able to use that technology. So we kind of had an aha moment. And I remember we were walking back from work through the park. And, you know, it was a, it was a hard decision because, you know, my dream and, I, you know, I think Ben's dream from the beginning was to be a company that our friends could use, be an app that our friends could hold in their hands or you know, in their phones and, and really be able to help you know, people that we knew. Essentially moving from a consumer company to a B2B company was a very big decision for us because we had this big dream to sort of build the next gen consumer fintech company. But you know, after talking about it, we realized that the industry was so fragmented and really just outdated and, and built on technology that was created in the 80s and the 90s that there was a huge opportunity to essentially take everything that we were going to do as MyFin, but sell it to the banks and allow them to, you know, essentially white label it and make it their own and take their technology to the you know, modern era. So it's definitely not definitely not the t- type of idea you, you sit on your couch and you're like, oh, this is this is what I'm going to do. But, you know, kind of through these conversations, we realized that, you know, this this was the the best decision and you know all of our investors were super happy and i think for us you know kind of having our first customer in this b2b fintech space was super important the bank we're working with we're really digging in with them on a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of learning that we're doing. And a lot, it's kind of crazy. The more the more you dig in, the more you find out how screwed up the banking systems are. And you know, the more you want to improve upon them. So that's really kind of what drives us right now. And once, you know, we kind of decided to move in this direction, we built out, kind of gave them, the, gave them what the roadmap was, hired, you know, a, a few more people, kind of grew the team to seven. And basically, you know, we took the approach of let's hire people that have done this before and really have a ton of banking experience. So we hired this one guy who has essentially, it's actually funny, he built the core that the bank we're working with uses currently, uh, like back in the 80s. He, you know, he's built essentially like four or five cores in his life, also hired a few other people that have been in fintech and are a little bit older, um, but definitely added a lot of you know experience to our team, uh, which which was super valuable because we have this very aggressive deadline to, you know, hit on, you know, kind of the end of June with with the first product. That's awesome to see kind of like the transition from the early days and what you guys were working on at, at Techstars to this new direction. So what are you guys actually going to be calling the new product? Yeah, so the name is Mantle. So it's spelled M-A-N-T-L. We dropped the E because, you know, want to be cool. And the, the genesis for the name is actually Mantle is, you know, essentially the, the piece of the earth that surrounds the core. So what is very important to the product that we're building is we're building this API wrapper around the existing cores that's core agnostic. So, you know, we thought it was a, a perfect name for, you know, what for what we were doing, the layer around the earth's core. It's kind of exactly, exactly what we're doing. You know, there are a few other definitions definitions that that kind of sealed the deal but that, that's what we're gonna be calling ourselves in the future still still working on the logo and the design and, and the rebrand but you know have pretty much settled on on the name that's awesome looking forward to seeing the the brand and how you guys are gonna be tying it all together with the web presence so the fintech space has obviously been pretty hot in the recent years how do you see this like industry continuing to evolve in the in the near future 
Yeah, so look, I think it's been interesting to, to kind of watch it over the past few years, right? Obviously, you've seen this unbundling of uh, financial services with different companies. I think the, you know, the companies that are sort of providing, call it like the architecture, right? Like the, the APIs, like Plaid, you know, Yodley's not really like a new fintech company, but they definitely play in the space. You have like Stripe, Braintree, some of those companies. I, I think they're doing really interesting things and allow thin, newer fintech companies to get off the ground much more quickly. You know, I think also sort of what you're seeing is like you have all these like new neo banks, right? And you have wealth management companies like Wealthfront and Betterment and even the trading companies like Robinhood. And, you know, you obviously have your lenders like SoFi and, and Common Bond and, and companies like that. You know, I think like where sort of the state of fintech is, is I think it's honestly really hard to be a consumer facing fintech company. The revenue model is is super tough because really in order to be a bank, right, to be a neo bank or to even be a wealth manager, you need to partner with an existing financial institution. So the economics are just really, really, hard because it obviously needs to work for that financial institution as well. So there's not a ton of money to be made. And I think obviously like with Wealthfront and Betterment, you know, they charge a very low advisory fee, for example, but you know, you just need so much scale to get to, you know, a profitable business that, you know, I, I think what you'll kind of probably start to see is definitely the regulatory environment will be less strict, right? I think like Europe is a good indicator of that. In Europe, you're sort of seeing like the PSD2 stuff that protects consumers, gives them better access to their data. You know, that will be really important for the PFM companies. You know, obviously, they have a much more streamlined payments infrastructure. I would say, like, Europe is a really good indicator of where the U.S. is headed. But we're probably still, like, even, you know, who knows, like, three to five years behind what they're doing. So, you know, I think what you'll start to see is, like, a lot of these consumer-facing fintech companies that are getting really big continue to get big. But it'll be harder for new companies to kind of get up and, and get off the ground. And we'll see. I'm really interested to see what happening, what will happen, because I think you'll you'll especially start to see more banks partnering with fintech companies and being open to partner with fintech companies because they want to be to kind of be a part of this wave, whereas before they were very defensive. But I, I think they're taking this partnering model, you know, really to heart, and I, I think it's really smart. I also think they're trying to build their own fintech type technology or brands within themselves. Like obviously, you have Marcus with Goldman. You know, you have Cross River trying to do something similar. So you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the fintech companies can actually replace the incumbents or is it just honestly too hard to do? You know, I think think we shall see. And you'll probably see, as we saw like an unbundling, you know, in recent years, you'll probably see more of a rebundling that's happening in like media and other industries that have followed similar trends. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting times and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what's next in the fintech space and, and how it'll improve our, our financial health. So how do you approach partnering with the banks and like other organizations as you realize you needed to pivot the product and just the business model? Yeah, so the best way to do it is go in there, approach it not as though you're trying to sell them on something, but really listen to what problems they have. Because if you start to really dig into it, they have a ton of problems and they don't know how to fix them. And, you know, the more you sort of listen and, and let them talk, the more you realize that, you know, you can really help them. So the way we look at it is we see every bank we work with as, as a partner. 
right? And I think we're doing something really unique with our first customer. We're essentially basically running this Scrum process. We obviously run Scrum for our own team, but we are running Scrum with, you know, the 20 person banking team that is dedicated to this project that we're working on. And we talk to them every day and it's very, very collaborative. And I think that was kind of from, from the beginning of the conversations where we went and sort of pitching this idea to the end of the conversations where we kind of took a step back and listened to what they were saying and listened to the problems that we had. That was sort of the most effective way to sort of break in, right? Because I'd say the hardest thing to do is get your first customer. Second hardest thing to do is get your second customer. But it allowed us to give ourselves credibility because obviously Ben and myself haven't built banks before. But we have built consumer-facing fintech. They did see the MyFin app. They understood that we understood the problem. And I think that's honestly really, really the best way to approach it. In terms of Mantle, what's next for you guys? Yeah, so really we're just focused on building this initial product and what the product is, is essentially account opening. So we are basically, anytime you go to open a bank account or any account at a bank, that is what we're building. And it sounds super simple, but it's actually like really involved. You have to you know, run them through KYC and AML. And we're partnering with this company called Alloy to do that. They're awesome. Uh, you know, you also have to handle funding and then you have to be able to run to the core, which is probably the most challenging thing. So, you know, we're really looking to get this product up and running and increase conversions from what they're currently seeing in the next you know, month or two and, you know, get a few more banks involved. We have, you know, a number of banks interested and, and coming on and working with us. We just want to make sure we find the right partner for bank, you know, call it two, three, four, you know, but really the longer term vision honestly is, is to really build the full experience, kind of change this mentality where it's not thinking about it as account opening or my landing page or my online mobile banking. It's one cohesive user experience. And, you know, I think if we can take that mindset to these banks and have them buy into it, I think they will really be innovators, honestly, and, and be thought of as forward thinking and, and really be able to kind of catch the tailwinds that are happening um, in technology and, you know, hopefully distance themselves from some of the other banks that you know, are really tied down with like compliance issues and things like that. Banks make money on the money. So it's very easy just to sit around and do nothing. So it's definitely an uphill battle to, you know, kind of convince these banks that online mobile is is the future. You know, I always think that branches will be a thing. It's a, it's a very strong marketing play, but I think you'll see more and more, which is obviously good for us, that banks are accepting these digital channels and accepting online and mobile. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can be a partner to a lot of them to create this better experience. So changing topics uh, again, just a little bit, what are some of the most notable apps or tools that you've downloaded or used recently either for like work or life? I use Via a lot. <laughs> it's, you know, basically $4 cab anywhere. You know, I definitely use like Venmo and Wealthfront and Betterment. I'm a big like Google Keep user for like all my notes. I take notes in like every meeting. I think it's like super, super useful. Use like inbox a lot. You know, I'm not like, I don't have a ton of apps on my phone, but those are definitely, definitely some of them. And I guess uh, on, on that note, do you have any recommendations on some great content that you've come across lately? Could be related to the fintech space or just like medium posts, videos, anything that, that sort of caught your eye and, uh, and, and you sort of thought was really cool? 
So I think in terms of like fintech, I think, you know, Sarah Table and Matt Hyman from Greylock wrote some articles on, on what they think of the fintech space. And I think they did a really good job of sort of outlining where we stand and where they think the industry is going. And I definitely agreed with a lot of that. You know, I, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Finimize, but I've started reading that every morning. It's basically like bite-sized financial content to your phone. They send it in the newsletter. So big fan of that. I really like what Cheddar is doing. You know, I don't necessarily watch their live shows, but you know, I, I always watch some of their videos and think they do a really good job. Also watch Mike a lot for, you know, different news stories. I recently joined this group on Facebook called Badass marketers and founders run by this guy, Josh Fetcher. The stuff he posts is just gold. Like he is really, really smart. I think he, you know, it's been interesting to sort of watch that Facebook group grow and see the level of engagement uh, that you you get on it. But the growth hacks and some of the strategies and, and things like that that come up on that page are really amazing. And I'm always saving down links for later, right? Because I know I always need to use them. Uh, you know, I think another, another resource that I use a lot and, and definitely recommend recommend is Alex Iskold's blog. He, you know, writes a lot about whether it's like building a startup or fundraising tactics or marketing, biz dev, how to think about your funnel. He has a lot, a lot of good stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of stuff that he teaches in the Techstars program. So I think I definitely recommend those things. Sweet. So, I, you know, we've talked about a, a ton of different stuff throughout the, the course of the episode, but do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think other people should know about, especially maybe entrepreneurs who are looking to start their first thing or, or second thing even? Yeah, I mean, for entrepreneurs looking to start their thing, it's not as glamorous as it looks, but it's definitely fun. So, you know, you just kind of got to go into it knowing that there are going to be a ton of ups and downs. Things are going to be changing constantly. So you have to have a very thick stomach for it. And, you know, just obviously like not to be cliche, but, you know, just like kind of just putting your head down, never giving up, never being determined not to fail, I think is so important and, and not being afraid and thinking that anything is doable is, is super super, super important for starting a company. In terms of like mottos and stuff, definitely buy into like the give first approach. You know, I, I love talking to other founders, other entrepreneurs, always happy to like help them and obviously get to do a lot of mentorship through the Techstars program and, you know, help founders through thinking about fundraising and, and different strategies and, and business techniques. One thing the CEO of a bank once said to me is that pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. That's always stuck with me. Can't be too greedy, but definitely, you know, want to get fat. I'm trying to think what else. This this one's good. So the key to a good company is good company. That's solid. That's a really good one. Sim simple as that. Awesome. And Nathaniel, man, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It was awesome to have you share your story with us. And we're looking forward to some huge things from Mantle. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, guys. Well, that's another episode of Hack to Start. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as on the web at hacktostart.com. We honestly couldn't do this show without your awesome support, so if you liked what you heard, feel free to share it on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and until next week.